0: Here we go. Another Femur and Ferrari podcast where we're not in the same room.
1: Uh, it's a nighttime version, Mike. We are it's, tape- it's an, we're it's taping a, it's a nighttime at 7-12 Pacific Coast time uh, <laughs> on the Thursday, September the 24th. Usually a little later than we tape, but uh, we had yeah. to make some adjustments because of some of the, the news of the day that we had going on with, hey folks, uh, apparently there's going to be some Pac-12 football in the fall. How about that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, it was the honest, uh, obvious thing to do. Um, I think what, uh, I heard coming out of Pullman tonight was it was a 12 to zero vote. Um, these, these athletic departments is athletic departments. Sorry. I've been talking a lot today are hemorrhaging money. I mean, they need TV money. They got to keep everything afloat. And so any little bit of cash they can get, um, you know, even if it is a seven-game season, which puts them nicely to, you know, Larry Scott thinks he can get college football playoff consideration with a seven-game schedule. <laughs> um, whatever, you know, puts them in the mix of some sort uh, it, it is good. It definitely puts them in uh, one of the bigger bowl games, though, so that's going to be money if they have those bowl games. Who knows what that's going to look like? So uh, just glad it's going to be some college football that we really
1: care about. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that these athletic departments are hurting for money because on the webinar, I believe it was the Oregon president, and he was like, money was never a factor or brought up when we were discussing on what to come back.
0: (laughs) Says the Oregon guy. (laughs) I I got a
1: nice chuckle out of that because I'm like, A how stupid do you think we are? And B, like, right. come on. <laughs> deter- it's the whole factor. It's why we right. play these games. You know, you yeah, said it, it right a- off to the top of the podcast because it's the number one driving force as to why these <laughs> games will be played in the fall. Like, we don't right. need to hide this anymore.
0: <laughs> Across the board,
1: college football.
0: Across <laughs> the board, they need it to survive. they They need to keep their brand on the field somehow. And so... I mean, hey, they're going to get eyeballs. And so when it comes down to advertisers and that sector of the economy, if you will, you're, you're going to have it. You're going to have people watching games. And, you know, down south in the SEC where it's a religion and, you know, up here, I mean, I honestly, I mean, I'll tune in some Saturdays and I'll be like, Duke and Georgia Tech, gross. I mean, I, I mean ACC football doesn't appeal to me, even though I, I lived and worked in the, that conference for a while. But that's back when Carolina had Natron Means and they were a good – good football team <laughs> way back when but um you know it'll be nice to have games you you care about um but what what any of these teams are gonna look like i mean you had guys that bolted for the draft earlier are they gonna come back now they're playing these seven games you know no spring football they have six weeks to ramp up i mean like who's the starting quarterback at oregon which may have the best shot at any sort of national anything who, who's starting down there?
1: Do we know? Uh, that's a good question. I, I'd, right? I'd imagine I mean, that, that I... they're going to figure that out <laughs> over this uh, whatever training camp that they have going on.
0: Right. And not that I care, but I think you would you would have had a pretty decent idea after a spring season, right? And I think that's indicative of every school across the board in in the Pac-12. So uh, as far as you know, key positions, who do you have? Unless you got you know some guys coming back there, obvious key returners, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I really think it's interesting. And it's, it was really evident when I think we saw the initial conference-only schedule, but mm-hmm. the Pac-12 is going to follow whatever the Big Ten does. And right. the Big Ten was the first Power Five conference to go to conference-only back when, before they even canceled. And then we saw the Pac-12 immediate, immediately follow suit. And then the Big Ten then all of a sudden said, hey, we're actually going to start in January and we're going to just postpone for the fall season. We don't think we can do it. And the PAC 12 immediately followed suit. And then once again, was it last week or it might've been a week and a half ago, losing track of time now, but the big 10 decided to return to the field after a lot of criticism from about a couple weeks now, all that stuff. And all of a sudden now, then the PAC 12 got into high gear, started scrambling around and followed suit once again. So clearly the PAC 12 has just been kind of looking at their, I guess, their leaders, which is the Big Ten. I mean, Kirk Schultz said in the conference call, I believe, with the media today, tonight, saying once the Big Ten elected to play, we didn't want to be the last league not playing. Sure. So, th- I mean, he, I mean, I, that's more honest than I figured the uh, uh, university president would be from the Pac-12. But, uh, you know, that's it's been pretty clear for all of us to see. And, you know, it's just you would hope that your conference would be able to act on its own and be able to kind of just, hey, here's what we believe, and here are our own convictions, and this is what we're going to do either way. Like, whether they decide to play or not, you would wish that it would be with their own convictions. But, you know, I guess uh, I guess we know who to look to uh, when uh, a decision is going to be made of this magnitude It's to find <laughs> out what the Big Ten's doing and you'll get your answer.
0: Yeah. I, that, you know just followed the big tens lead that's okay. I mean there's From the middle of the country no big deal so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I, it probably they probably needed to be a little more independent in how they went about things or you know even it just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of communication between the ads the conference coaches, you know a lot of people on different pages and you know I, I think one thing that you, you when you when they signed that program, was it, Is it Cadell, the, yeah, the, the company? Yeah, Qu- Quidel, in- I believe. Qu- Quidel, okay. In San Diego, you know, tell them, okay, Hey, listen, we, we have the potential here for a season. So why don't you get the ball rolling, get your kids back. This is, you know, really looking good. But why do you have to wait for the Big Ten? I mean, if you have day of testing that is claiming to be better than the NFL system and the NFL this week, no positive COVID test, which is amazing. Yeah. So you have that, and they're saying this is better than the NFL, like three three weeks ago, beginning of September. So go ahead, get the ball rolling with your team. I don't understand when this time of Zoom and everything else. You know why couldn't you get on there with coaches and ads and say, listen, this is the potential. Bring the kids back. A lot of them were starting school anyway online or however the heck they're doing it. Get them moving in the right direction so you if you want to be like the big 10 start on the 24th or even start the week before and get back on the field you know rather than seven games maybe it's a nine game season that's more money I, mean, I I would think more money in a tv deal if you the more games you play so um it's very interesting i don't you know a lot of these things you'll never just know the truth right <laughs> we're, we're not gonna there's no bob woodward tapes for this one
1: <laughs> yeah there's none of that going on uh it's just the whole thing to me has been it's been interesting seeing kind of these conferences almost play this game of poker in the Power Five. And I believe that's what ended up happening as to why I think all five conferences are playing is because the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 dug in. They said, hey, okay, you guys want to do that? Well, we don't care. We're going to continue to play. And I think those conferences calling the Big 10's bluff is really what changed this thing. And I think the fact that – because, I mean, it's not like it's gone smoothly. I mean, we've seen I believe, upwards of 20 to 25 games be postponed and Mm -hmm. moved around. Like, each week, you start the week on Monday, and it's like, all right, what's going to get postponed this week? And that's been happening all throughout college football so far this season through the three or four weeks that we've been playing. And the fact that those other three Power Five conferences just said, well, if you don't want to play, we don't care. We're going to play. I think the Big Ten got cold feet and was like, oh my gosh, we thought that these other conferences would be like the Pac 12 and follow suit and none of us would play. And then the fact that they just decided not to. And, you know, obviously the SEC, ACC, and Big 12, we all know what those geographic regions are. It's a lot different than the Pac 12 and the Big 10. So right. I think when that happened, the Big Ten started to panic, especially when they got a lot of pressure from whether it be the student athletes, the coaches. I mean, you had Ryan Day, the coach of the biggest program in your conference, like waging a war against the conference, you know? Like right. saying that, like, hey, we need to play. What are we doing? What's going on? He was issuing a statement every other week, it felt like, about talking about how they need to play, even though the conference says, hey, this is what we collectively decided on. And you had Scott Frost at Nebraska doing the same. And when they continued to kind of have that pressure And once the games at these other conferences started to kick off, that I believe is what made them crack essentially. And they decided, all right, let's just play and we'll see how it goes. And we think that maybe the extra time, maybe I know like, like, and they'll tell you that new information has happened and there has been new information. The Quidel thing is a big deal. That's a game changer. But even with that happening, if there was no other ACC, SEC big 12 playing, I don't believe we would see Big Ten or Pac-12 football this fall. This is 100%, in my opinion, a reaction to the other three, quote, autonomy five conferences deciding to continue playing football, regardless of the decision of the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Totally
0: agree. Yeah, because they, they basically had to. That, that was really well explained, Femi. Nice job. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I have nothing to add to
1: that. No, I mean, it's, it's just kind of – I would weaken your argument. <laughs> yeah, it's just the weird dynamics of, of college yeah. football and college sports. And, you know, it's it, you hope that these conferences, they say that they act independently, but clearly we've seen that they don't. And right. the fact that the Big Ten and Pac-12 almost had this elaborate plan of like, all right, we're not going to play and everybody else will follow. And then the opposite happening – it's uh it's really interesting to see because now i mean virtually everyone's going to be playing except for the fcs level it sounds like and i think uh, i think mountain west is about to vote to play uh tomorrow or so that's what i heard yeah everyone is going to be playing so it was like what was the whole purpose of canceling that early in late july and early august you know like what what was like like why wouldn't couldn't you have just waited and then just said all right now we think we're ready so it's just it's a lack of communication I think a lack of conviction and leadership, to be quite honest, um, mm-hmm. you know, I know they are hardworking people and they don't really want to, uh, and they they do, I believe, have the students interest in mind, but I think the number one interest is the money. And the, I think we can all be honest about that. Um, and I think that just the fact that there's no real leadership in terms of running this thing from these conferences out West is uh, it's, it's, it's a problem. And I think we've seen that happen uh, in other facets of the conference, I mean, the Pac-12 has been like the fifth wheel for quite some time now. When it comes to the right. pac five, so uh, it's just kind of more reflective of what's been going on over the past decade or so.
0: Well, do you want to be a leader or do you want to be a follower? Exactly. You know, and I think I think they wanted to lead, and how you explained it, and instead they were forced to look like followers. Yep. But I I think the bottom line is the testing. This the I mean I, I think that's something that we heard in the, uh, the zoom call for the PAC 12 was the health and wellness of their athletes. And that goes down to the, you know, waiting six weeks to ramp up and everything that comes with it. I, I think, you know, we live in such that litigious society, they don't want anything happen to any player. And then, you know, next thing, you know, um, God forbid uh, something bad happens to a player family ends up suing athletic department, sues the conference. I mean, and then they're, you know, bankrupt. Um, because things could go that way. I mean, that, that's just the way things happen. Um, but I, I think once they had that testing, that was, that was the main thing. Because the Big Ten started without a testing model really in place. Yeah,
1: which um, is crazy to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is – and I'll, I'll commend the Pac-12 for at least getting their ducks in a row to say, okay, we'll do it. And it was interesting today, um, I think it was the, the Oregon president, was talking about how, well, if there's breakouts of COVID on four teams, five, we'll just shut the whole thing down. And I think that's what they have to do. Um, Could you imagine if if it's cross, you know, those four teams are supposed to play another four teams. You have no, no, no games that weekend.
1: Yeah, it it would be crazy. (laughs) And and I will give them credit for, they did, they do it. It appears have the most comprehensive plan in terms of testing and, like that, they do do deserve credit for that. I mean, because some of the schools, I mean, ACC, I'm not even sure if ACC has daily testing, you know. There's, right. there's a reason why they're caught. I mean, I think Notre Dame-Wake Forest games got postponed this week. There's a reason why their games are getting postponed more frequently than others. It, it right. feels like it's a little more kind of blind leading the blind down there, and we're just going to play some football here. But I will give the Pac-12 credit that they did have a more comprehensive plan, and they waited on the Quadell of the daily rapid testing and that will and if you happen to have cases of COVID-19 you can catch it faster and be able to quarantine those people more efficiently to where that you prevent an outbreak so i do want to uh tip the cap for that but just breaking news in recording this this podcast is that the mountain west has voted to play in the fall of 2020 their season will begin october 24th so it's it's crazy it's pete famel who uh, is reporting that crazy that Just a month ago, it looked like only the three Power Five schools and maybe some smaller conferences down south, and then now here we are on September 24th, and it's almost as if we're living in a normal college football season that's just pushed back a little slightly.
0: Right. And more breaking news. It's not definite, but it's getting there. It looks like our Seattle Mariners are going to be eliminated tonight. Uh Uh-oh. Yes, it's it's uh, not a, not a good thing. Um, last check, the Blue Jays beat the Yankees four to one.
1: That's not good. Uh,
0: the Mariners had that outside shot at a wild card chance based on the division and the records and all that math that goes into that. That would confuse me if I really started talking about it more. Uh, so the Blue Jays beat the Yankees, so that eliminated the Amps from the wild card race, and the Astros right now are they're up ten nothing on the. Dreadful Rangers in the sixth. So assuming just the total implosion by an Astros bullpen, that would give the Astros the win they needed because they would have had to lose all four remaining games. The Mariners would have to win all four remaining. But since the Astros could win tonight, that would eliminate the Mariners from that AOS number two spot. Which, with you know, some decent starting pitching. And really, no bullpen to be even in that in this spot is <laughs> kind of it, crazy. They had a heck of a actually. season. Actually, <laughs> I, I mean, it's just I mean, look at who they traded I mean, traded away, and then they really did not have a bullpen going in. They just didn't. I mean, not no, nothing that was worthwhile, anyways. I mean, they had a bullpen, but I, I think it was dreadful.
1: You have to look at this season and. One hundred percent say that they exceeded expectations. You know, yes, it's a season that we thought that all right, they might get twenty wins or something like that, and you know, they just—it's not like they have thirty wins or anything. You know, they're just a little over. Um, But I I thought they were entertaining, and for a Mm -hmm. rebuilding year, at least we saw some fun young players, and at least we know that what's what's to come here in the future with the farm system. That hey, maybe the light is at the end of the tunnel, and it's not just kind of this endless cycle of never making the playoffs because it is the lar- the longest North American sports drought, uh, we right. reaching the playoffs that, uh, that we have here for the Mariners. So
0: people should definitely be excited. I think, I think Kalu, uh, wins American league rookie of the year. If he doesn't, it'll be a travesty. Um, so I, I, hopefully we'll, we'll have that. Um, but lots of young talent on this team. It's just, uh, you know, and Jerry will be busy this winter, I'm sure. And uh, who knows what the baseball season looks like and spring training and all that. Um, as we move, they, they, they've shown that they can train at their facilities, right? Yeah. They showed that that can be done. Yes. Uh, now, maybe they can carry that over into a setting like in Arizona, spring training and stuff like that, um, or Florida, wherever
1: they are. So, yeah, we'll see where they end, we'll up, see. Where yeah. they end up going. You know, it's like they're gonna have to go somewhere where it's warm, it's not gonna be a conducive to doing it up here, unless maybe they just do it at Safeco Field. I'm not sure if they will be allowed to do that there, but they just kind of cover the roof and then just train there. That might be a possibility for them uh, come spring. It's like, all right, guys, we'll we'll only have one field, so we won't have as much space, but uh, we're just going to have to kind of make this work type of thing, you know?
0: Yep. Sorry to suddenly change the subject on you. just we were in the breaking news category. Um, The Seahawks. 2-0.
1: Let's...
0: but are you aware of the injury news from today? I am. Some some injury news from today.
1: I am actually looking at the injury report right now, and then, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not great for the trenches for the old. No,
0: no, nope. Um, and this on the heels that Snacks Harrison is going to come visit next week. Guy was a an all an all pro had a rep as one of the better run stoppers in the league. Yep. Um my advice on that don't let him get on the plane to leave yeah let him come here and don't let him leave <laughs> get, get, Lock the get, doors get his COVID the testing done yeah. <laughs> have a test on Monday have that four-day deal and have him maybe get out there for practice on Thursday and see what happens uh and then make the trek down to Miami I, I don't know if he'd, he'd be active for a trip like that you know what I mean that's a long haul uh if they don't sign him right away but um so yeah Dwayne brown sitting out again remember he he hurt his knee that first drive the first drive um when micah potty ended up rolling into him and then Rasheem green was out anyways it looks like he's probably doubtful to play
1: yeah
0: and benson mayoya mayoya
1: benson Mayoa,
0: Mayoa. why can't i not say that like what is my
1: my problem. It's, like, like, it's May- like saying like like saying like mayo like mayo like mayonnaise and uh mayo. Mayo. I
0: just I it, there's this, like you know what another word I can say earlier to you like earlier today mm-hmm. no problem but when I'm on air for whatever reason earlier on air just does not want to come out. <laughs> so Benson, mayo. There you go. May- Mayoa <laughs> yeah,
1: just it's, it's like mayo, mayo like mayonnaise and Mayowa, Mayoa uh,
0: Mayowa. <laughs> Mayo-a. <laughs> there we go, Mayoa There we go. Anyways, so so that would not be good because he was all over. He we had I think he had sixty five plays last week, if I'm not mistaken. He played. Like, quite he's many. in there a lot. Yeah. So if you don't have those two guys, I mean, you probably won't have Green already. You have Anthony Rush. They activated him. So,
1: hmm. I've been, then, I
0: think. Go ahead.
1: Uh, my antennas are up when I look at that injury report. You know, Dwayne mm-hmm. Brown being the left tackle, um, you never want to be without your guy. He's the leader on that offensive line, he's the best player on that offensive line. So, if he's not playing, maybe you're looking at a Cedric Aboye that's stepping in for him. You know, it's. Uh, I, when when you have a guy like a, a Dwayne Brown like you you want those guys to play obviously like oh yeah not need a rocket scientist to say that but uh but Benson if he's out you know it's the weakness of the Cowboys right now on offense is the offensive line which is kind of crazy to say uh since they've been a team that's been known for their offensive line for quite some time since about 2014 or so since they've had kind of a all pros across the board is what it felt like. And right Mm -hmm. now they're battling a lot of injuries. You know, Lyle Collins is on the IR. Uh, He's supposed to be coming back next week, I believe. And Tyron Smith missed last week's game against the Falcons. He hasn't practiced all week this week either. And I don't think he'll be expected to play. I think they'll list him as a game time decision, but I I doubt he'll play this week. So you're looking at a Dallas team that it's down their two tackles once again. And Mm. if you can't take advantage of that, then that's going to be troublesome for that secondary because we already saw last week them not getting much pressure on Cam Newton and he Cam Newton being able to sit back there and kind of just pick you apart. Like, like what do you think is going to happen when you face a better passing offense in the Dallas Cowboys if you don't have Bruce Irvin, who is now done for the season, and mm-hmm. you don't have Benson Mayowa? So that groin injury for Mayowa, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, We'll see how they list him, if he's able to practice or do anything. Maybe if he's limited, he can give it a go. But not a good sign so far uh, as we approach the final practice day tomorrow.
0: So, essentially, the Cowboys have a crappy offensive line Yep. right now, as far as what you're saying. The Seahawks have a crappy defensive line. So why don't we just get McCarthy and Carol together and say, hey, you guys want to just do a seven on seven? <laughs> you know what? I mean, it's it's 2020. <laughs> That's
1: that seven on seven <laughs> camp. They <laughs> run rampant all over the country. The high school kids are doing them. That would be right? quite the game. You know, why not? If Give them the little can, headgear, put them in shorts. Nobody's going to get hurt. I mean, and just to, right? and just to set up the game. I mean, we're talking about this is. Cowboys, Seahawks, it's always interesting when these two teams play. But the last time they played, which was the playoff game, Mm -hmm. they were more kind of conservative, defensive kind of teams. This is the opposite. I mean, we've seen the whole let Russ Cook thing take over the Seahawks organization as Russell Wilson is on a crazy pace. I think he's on pace to throw 72 touchdowns, which would be absurd. It's not going to happen, but would be absurd if it did. Uh, And then the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, ever since last season, they didn't play the Hawks last season, but ever since last season, they've kind of gone more towards passing the ball and letting Dak Prescott kind of do his thing. And the total, I believe, Las Vegas oddsmakers have made it 56 combined points. And mm. a, a lot of uh, sharp bettors and professionals think that that might even be a little low. A little low. Uh, if that's my uh, first thought, yeah. It's, it's a, a lot of people think that there's no way that both of these teams don't touch 30. So I think we're going to see a lot of points come uh, come Sunday afternoon.
0: Yeah. 56. Yeah, they I think they go over 60 for sure.
1: Yeah, that's that's a shared sentiment across the board because it's yeah, I mean, the Cowboys secondary is not great. Um, Having watched them play two games. Now I can tell you that it is. uh, It needs a little work. They're young on the back end. So they'll be improving, I'm sure as the season goes on. But right now in week three, the the type of secondary play that you're going to get is not good enough to stop an offense that's led by Russell Wilson and especially when you have D.K. Metcalf playing out of his world. I mean, what he did to Stephon Gilmore last week was just mm-hmm. – it was criminal almost. And then <laughs> you, you have Tyler Lockett, who's obviously one of the best receivers in the league. So I think when you have Russell Wilson throwing to those weapons and you have a Dallas secondary that is down Kidobe Awuzie, who's their number one cornerback. They're already down Anthony Brown, who's their probably top slot guy. And it's, it's, it's going to be a tough – Tough ask for that Dallas secondary. But on the flip side, even the Seattle secondary, which on paper looks good, uh, I don't think they've seen a, a wide receiving core like what Dallas is about to bring to the table with uh, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and the first-round pick, C.D. Lamb.
0: C.D. Lamb. Yeah,
1: it's, 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 a really, it's a really good Dallas offense. And if they struggled with the Patriots wide receivers and stopping that passing game, then uh, it's going to be another story here with the Cowboys offense that's coming in that – Last week scored forty points despite turning the ball over three times in the first quarter and two failed fake punts. So, yeah, that, yeah, that was that, crazy. That 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 shows you what they're capable of doing. And, if, and unless they somehow have the turnover virus for a second consecutive week, it's going to be pretty tough to stop them.
0: <laughs> um, it's uh, it's it's pretty awesome what Dak Prescott did last week, where he threw for four fifty and ran for three the first quarterback to do that yeah nfc player of the week which russell got the week before so you know we talk about the over and the points is i mean yeah this is a perfect game to showcase two really good quarterbacks
1: yeah no it's it it, honestly these are two of the better quarterbacks especially in the nfc and i mean it's going to be in that prime Late afternoon window for uh mm-hmm. I believe Buck and Aikman will probably be there on the call and right. It's going to be a national audience and I think uh, it, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun football that I think a lot, people are eager. I, I keep hearing about this game all week long. You know, I try to stay up on what people are talking about and everyone's really excited about this football game. And, and maybe we see it in an inspired performance from the defenses. You know, they've they've been hearing about how they're going to give up all these points. You know, since Monday. So maybe both defenses kind of uh, rise to the occasion and maybe Mother Nature is on their side. I think it might be mm-hmm. a little rainy come Sunday afternoon. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of sorts itself out. But uh, I, I just have a hard time not seeing points, points, and more points when those two teams kick the ball off because uh, they they have two of the better offenses in the league. And I know Dallas is a little banged up right now but on, on the offensive line, but they were able to show that – if you don't have a pass rush, like Atlanta didn't have a pass rush last week, and uh, they got carved up pretty good after, uh, mm-hmm. after the first quarter.
0: And uh, when you talk about the pass coverage in the Seahawks in the secondary, uh, I have really become a fan of basically any time Jamal Adams speaks. It's really good. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. We haven't had a player like that in Seattle in a long time uh, that just – uh, what he reminds me of sometimes uh, that that I think I enjoy is he reminds me a little bit of Gary Payton's post game stuff. <laughs> That's a throwback because back. Uh, yeah, and Gary, you know, Gary had a fire. I mean, the, the, the did we talk about the locker rooms and where players are positioned? I are talking about for the field or for no, just in sports in general. Oh no, I don't think is, we, I don't think we really talked about it that much. There's like a psychology to it, and I, I won't take long on this there's a psychology to it that you want your leaders the guys that are going to lead you into battle the guys that are want to set the tone you put them closest to the door and i read this and if you look when you go in the seahawks locker room to the left is russell wilson he's close to the door right yep uh, that's at least at home and when they're away they take away any of those uh, any of that locker room feng shui uh when you're talking about the sonics and the way they did it Gary Payton, if you walked in at the old kid he walked in the door, he took a left. I mean, Gary, Gary could technically sit in his locker, stretch his leg around the cement partition and have his right leg outside the door. It was that close to the door. And I've noticed wow. that with like a lot of leaders in different sports when we're allowed to be in locker rooms, you know, who's closest to the door. And I don't know if there's a whole lot that goes into it, uh, but it seems to be a lot of the leadership guys, but, Anyways, Gary Gary to me when he would talk whether it be after a practice or after a game, he never it was rare you got him to talk before a game but after he just you know the things he said I mean there's there's a little bit of Gary Payton in 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 the way the swagger Jamal has but I love the way he says it with confidence but also with a conscience you know what i mean no it's, definitely it, it's it, he's I'm glad he's a Seahawk. He uh, it, 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 Thursdays, to tell you the truth, we used to have Russell and the player after. It wasn't too exciting. Nope, <laughs> we, and it was it was even... not. And, and you know, everybody
1: loves Russell Wilson. And I yeah. remember last year uh, when we could go to V go into those press conferences every Thursday, and there's certainly something. So the fact that the fact that we get Jamal as the uh, as the appetizer, or rather the dessert to the Russell entree, it's a it's quite refreshing.
0: Right. So so with that he had talked about some of the Cowboys are talking that he's weak in coverage. And, and Julian Edelman got some big yards on him and a couple of big plays last week, but that's Julian Edelman. I mean, he just has that slippery kind of aspect of slipping behind coverage. And those two were familiar with each other from their time in the AFCs, mm-hmm. but I, it's almost like he's got that big, he said it to you, He's got that big chip on his shoulder in the way he said it when he was asked. I just I'm care. I want to see what he does because he knows he has people back home watching, and he, I think he he's gonna take it personally. And I, I look forward to watching 33 again. You know, I mean, yeah,
1: he's <laughs> he's a, a Texas guy. You know, he's East Texas, yep. and th- it was on the call today or on the press conference. A lot of people mm-hmm. were asking up Jamal about, hey, like you have the Dallas Stars tattoo on your thigh. And stuff. We saw that from training camp and like, like, hey, like, is that just Dallas Stars or is it Dallas Cowboys? Because there was all the rumors last year about the Cowboys looking to try to trade for Jamal Adams. Right. I and, remember. Stuff. and You know, it's like I think it's always been a I don't know. I'm not in his head, but I think it's always been a kind of a desired destination for him growing up in that area. That's for a lot of kids who play football. One of the dreams is to play for the Dallas Cowboys one day. And, you know, he got all the questions about it this week. And, you know, he said that actually growing up he was a Giants fan because his dad played running back for the Giants. And, you know, it's interesting just seeing him uh, kind of talk about that since that was such a storyline last year and even this offseason before he was eventually traded to Seattle. And the fact that he has a lot of friends who probably are Dallas Cowboys fans growing up where uh, he grew up, it's uh, there's an extra chip and extra motivation you know, uh, being a Cowboys fan that I am, uh, you know, every every week I always hear the opposing team. There's some player on that team that's extra motivated to play the Cowboys, whether it be one reason or another, you know, whether they were cut or traded or they grew up in the area of Texas, obviously putting in a lot of of the NFL's uh, talent into the league. And, you know, it's like they have that. It's like you play against that team that you grew up watching. And it's like, all right, well, I want to prove that you know I'm better and this and that. So, each each team in the league probably has a couple handful of guys where it's like, all right, I want to st- I want to stick it to the Cowboys. So right. uh, I, I think Jamal will be very motivated. I mean, you saw it first at a uh, up close in person with Earl Thomas. You know, not once, not but twice. You know, the yep. the Christmas Eve game when he said, "Come get me" in the locker room right. to Jason Garrett, and then the next year when the Cowboys didn't trade for him and he had the two interceptions, and he goes and and bows in the face of the Cowboys sidelines. So, and Earl, him being a Texas guy, of course, you know, like a lot of Texas guys wanted to uh-huh. play for the Dallas Cowboys. So it's kind of an interesting kind of dynamic and a uh, storyline with this game coming up.
0: I do think in the Earl Thomas timeline, the come get me stuff was the beginning of the end of Earl in Seattle. I think he lost a lot of um, people who maybe backed him. I think he lost a, a, a lot of, um, j- just his, his stock in the community when all that stuff happened with a, you know, kind of a captive audience on that day, uh, that yeah. weekend. And yeah, then it was, it, a big, was, it, was, it was a deal. big,
1: it was a very big game.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, what? what, what, what do you mean? Come get me. Who would leave Seattle? Who would leave this team? Pete Garrett, right. So uh, that was, and now, now where is he unemployed? Right. Yeah. Doesn't have a team. So, uh, we'll see if he ends up anywhere after this. The, these first two weeks, a lot of veterans kind of land in certain yeah, spots. think the
1: Cowboys might go get him, you know? <laughs> There's talk about yeah. maybe trying to improve the secondary. They might finally go get him. Might yeah. be a little later than he was hoping for, but uh, we'll see and how a lot that less. Kind of out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it would be mm-hmm.
1: interesting for sure.
0: How about our Seattle Storm? One win away from the uh, WNBA Finals.
1: They They are very good, and I think all season long, I've contested that they're the best team in the league. I've seen Mm -hmm. nothing that's led me to believe otherwise. You know, they had one loss against the uh, Las Vegas Aces during the middle of the season, but the finale wasn't really a true judgment since they were Mm -hmm. resting Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart. But I've been riding them since the beginning of the year and saying, hey, this is a team that's going to win the WNBA title. They're now one win away, and, you know, it just feels like they're kind of destined to – I'm not sure what the seri- the other series is looking like. Is it Las Vegas that's leading that one? I Las Vegas I is
0: said. leading that one, yeah. Oh, no, it's it's actually tied 1-1. Oh,
1: tied 1-1. They're tied 1-1. And right, so, and, and right now Connecticut is up by six at halftime. right. So maybe right. Connecticut has something to say about it, you know, talking about all this – Seattle, because Connecticut was who Seattle beat, I believe, wasn't that the case in the 2018 finals, or was it Washington? It was one of the two.
0: It was Washington. Okay, it was Washington. It was yeah, because they won on the road in Washington. That's right. That's right. So and then the previous one was they won in Atlanta. In
1: Atlanta. That's correct. And then
0: when they won the first time, they won a key arena, which was really a cool night to be there. That was crazy. All the confetti came down and all that was that was nuts. But Um, the, the
1: Storm are they're a great team and. You know, at full strength, and they appear to be at full strength, they had a lot of rest before the playoffs started. So I think uh, now that they have all the all hands on deck, they are going to be very difficult to deal with. And right now they're making kind of light work out of Minnesota. But that game one was really close. Alicia Clark getting the right. last second put back. But I think today we saw more of what's to come with the double-digit victory, and we'll see what happens game three. But I, I like the Storm's chances to, to get the sweep and move on to the WNBA Finals.
0: Alicia Clark, the pride of uh, Middle Tennessee State University. Prior to that, Belmont. She's uh, from Juliet, Tennessee. Um, I, uh, I loved how they won that game. She had that shot. You know, the buzzer was clear. There was really, you know, once you go ahead and look at it, it was clearly out of her hands. The light went on. There was no, there was no controversy. But I loved within 10, 15 minutes, here she is. It was just great. And, and, and I think the WNBA has done more. You, you, I love if uh, your input on this, has done more for, for voting, for, for rights, for Black Lives Matter than and all these leagues. They, they've been yeah. blazing the trail for a long time. They for, really for, have. For, for, for women's rights, everything. But I love that within 15 minutes of winning the game, she's sitting there post-game encouraging people to vote. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not about, I mean, okay, it's great we won, but hey, I was trying to remind everybody, I don't know if you saw the post-game, but I thought that was pretty cool. She's, she's emerged as a, a key player, someone that definitely gets the job done. And, uh, you know, Stewie didn't have a great night tonight, but Alicia Clark was there for a lot of, a lot of the cleanup stuff. And, and Jewel Lloyd was great. She, she's been terrific.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a fun season. It's, it's unfortunate that Dan Hughes can't be there. You know, he's, help, he's helping, yeah. he's helping from, uh, from far away, co- coaching remotely. Helping out with Gary Kloppenberg, but uh, Coach Klopp has done a heck of a job uh, just kind of keeping the ship afloat. And uh, hopefully, it's a fun end of the year for them. You know, I think they deserve it, especially after the way last year they were down Stewie and Bird. And it wasn't really a proper title defense because Mm -hmm. they're down their two most recognizable players. And you're down like the MVP of the league, you know, the reigning MVP at that time was Brianna Stewart. And not to have her last season was too bad. But I think this year, they, they definitely seem motivated, and at the start of the season, they told us in the media, they said, hey, just because we have all these pieces back together doesn't mean anything. We still have to go out there and play. It might look great on paper, but that doesn't mean anything. we got to go play the games, and they've certainly have played really well, 18-4 and four in the regular season and off to a really good start so far here in the postseason.
0: I had a thought, though. I had a thought, and this is with all due respect to Gary Kloppenberg and Dan Hughes. Do you think... With Sue Bird on the floor and the veterans they have, and a player like Brianna Stewart, that Mike and Femi could have been the co-coaches of the (laughs) Seattle Storm and won a title this year.
1: (laughs) Are you saying to put us in the bubble? (laughs) I
0: mean I mean (laughs) Do you think? I mean again, all due respect to Coach Hughes and Kloppenberg. Obviously, they need head coaches, things that we don't know that they do and you know that go go deep. But
1: with that talent. Right, you you might be better than I because there, there was a couple close <laughs> games there, and they drew up some crafty out of bounds plays, and you know to get some game winning shots. <laughs> well, I, don't I know. I'm not sure if I have the capabilities to draw those plays up. I, don't I can game. see you Just in get a the ball close to Stewie game. somehow.
0: I mean, you're in a close game, you lose the blazer. I'm like pulling back on your on your shirt, like <laughs> no, no,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
0: That would be kind of funny, actually. So.
1: <laughs> I'll give them, I'll give them their credit because I'm not sure I'd be able to duplicate.
0: <laughs> and and hey, uh, you know we're we're bouncing all over, but uh, you know it's kind of cool to be doing this when sports are on. But pretty wild tonight to see Thursday night football and have miles gaskin on one side and miles jack on the other
1: right I, I was thinking about that at the, the beginning miles of miles show game. i was like it's a right? day in bellevue high school <laughs> on the big stage of thursday night football here and miles gaskin has got right. quite a bit of touches so yes. far in this game and good for him i think he's carving out a decent role for himself with yep. this dolphins team and you know their offensive line isn't the best so it's tough in terms of a rushing yards production standpoint mm-hmm. but you know, he's he's making some guys miss. He's got pretty good vision. We've always known that about Miles. He runs hard yep. and low center of gravity, pretty shifty guy. And I think that's translated really well to the NFL.
0: Yeah, M- Miles Miles Jack, too. You know, I, I remember watching him play a game at Mount Sinai one night. and uh,
1: I mean, heck, you can indeed, put him at running back, too. Jeez. Yeah, you just knew he was
0: <laughs> going to be different. And, you know, college uh, career cut shorter, though, had the knee injury, right? And then yeah. he just left the team and got ready for the draft. It's paid off for him. Um, but you know, I, I never knew Miles Jack very well because I think obviously he went to, you know, Bellevue and and, and UCLA for college. But uh, I I know we got to know Miles Gaskin up around here, and he is a favorite. I mean, guys, all sorts of records. Uh, but that run in the snow over in Pullman and getting the Apple Cup was oh awesome. And I mean, and just a good dude all around. And I know uh, he's been working with one of his childhood friends to. Uh, raise some mental health awareness. They have a shirt company. Um, just a good dude, great family. You know, got to meet his parents at the combine, and uh, I love seeing good things happen to good people, you know. So that's that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, he always seemed like he was a humble guy, kind of almost soft spoken in a sense. But, yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, he's him and Jake Browning set a pretty good legacy over there on Mont Lake. Uh, yeah, when the, in their four years here, and you go four years, you never lose your rival. That's always a pretty good, uh, pretty pretty good notch to have uh, on the belt.
0: Yeah, it, it is. It is. And he's got a lot, lot in the books there, uh, record wise at UW. So it's pretty cool.
1: But yeah, no, it's uh Femi and Ferrari. Subscribe, rate, and review. Mike, well, he, well, wait any, a any final thoughts, or did you want to, yeah. add something else in? Well, we've been doing our predictions. Oh, that's right. I almost forgot. Gosh, I'm glad that you, uh. That, that you remembered, how can I? Almost, I almost forgot the predictions. Geez, maybe because I'm losing. Uh, you're up 2 0 and I'm one and one. Uh, yeah,
0: that's okay though. So, um, remember, we talked about the over being 56 on this game.
1: Yep,
0: so this you got some points to play with, right? So, last week, remember, you went 27 uh, 23,
1: 27. I went
0: 31 yeah. 27. And what was it, 35 35- 35, 30, right? So um, we both are in the ballpark, so to speak. Yeah. So, um, and, and this is the prediction, um, of our first three that I'm looking forward to the most, because I, I know you, you, you're a, you're a Texas guy born, right? You're yes, born in Texas. I was born
1: in, uh, East and, Texas.
0: And then that's where you got the the cowboy fever, so to speak.
1: You're born down there and you can't shake it. And you never lost it. <laughs>
0: um, and I will say this: the Cowboy Stadium, the 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 uh, along with Arizona Stadium, the nicest stadium, employees, workers, environment. It's like going to Disney. Follow the lines where you got to go. <laughs>
1: AT and Stadium, it's, uh, it's jaw dropping uh, for the listeners who have. Unreal! If you've never been able to get out there or go to a game or anything there, it is absolutely jaw dropping, and nuts, TV doesn't yeah. do it justice.
0: Nope. Nope it it's it's crazy and then the Walmart across the street (laughs) where a lot of people park for the game the length of the video board of the stadium I would contend is the length of the Cowboys merchandise they have from one end of the Walmart to the other. Wow! When you go in, I went in there to go to the bathroom actually (laughs) because we do some (laughs) live shots. And the night before, I went. I just was like. It, I felt like I needed to stop and get some water just to make it from one end of the store to the other. It was all cowboy. Like, Femi, you, you, could, you could just go ahead and, and, and do your, your whole residence and cowboy stuff and, <laughs> and, and not have one thing. You could have a toilet paper roller, toothbrush, couch, television, everything. I didn't realize there was that much team stuff ever made. So it's fascinating. But anyways, obviously, I didn't buy anything, though. But if I knew you, <laughs> if, if if I knew, known you that I would have brought you home a bunch of loot. Um, All right, so with the over being fifty six,
1: yep. Why don't you fire away,
0: or do you want to wait? Want me to go? Oh, I, I
1: want you to go first. I want. I, I, we'll, we'll we'll mix it up this week. We'll have you go first.
0: Uh, okay. I'm gonna go Seahawks forty
1: one, Cowboys thirty. 41 to 30. So you have the Seahawks moving on to three and Oh, and I think if they win a game 41 to 30, I think you'll hear a lot of people start saying the Seahawks are the team to beat in the NFC. I know. And I, know. I think you'll, I think and you'll I, start I, hearing that.
0: I I'm, I'm doing the prices right thing. I'm going a little over
1: 41, 30. That is 71 yeah. combined points. And yes, I is. would not be surprised to see 71 combined points to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, it's been a fun, fun season. Let Russ cook. We're off to a great start. You know, Jamal Adams has been flying around blitzing. Mm -hmm. And I believe he leads the team in sacks. So a lot of this stuff is coming together how they thought it would. And the offensive line, I think has been better than many expected, better than I expected. But you know what? Old Jared's team is coming to town, Mike. Old Darren's team is coming to town, and they're the first team I believe they've faced. Dallas Cowboys.
0: Uh, Dallas Cowboys. That's my football team.
1: Dallas Cowboys, (laughs) one of our favorite fans. (laughs) Family Abubafay lives here.
0: Who are you going to pick, fam?
1: Who are you going to pick? They're coming to town, and they are loaded with a lot of weapons. They got a lot of options in the holster, Mike. And this is an offense that <laughs> will be the best that the Seahawks have seen. It's only been only going to be the third game, so that's not like it's saying a whole lot. But it is one of the best offenses that the Seahawks will play all year, I believe. And I think the passing game of the Dallas Cowboys
0: mm. and the Seahawks'
1: inability to affect Dak Prescott enough, I think we see the upset come Sunday afternoon. I'm not going homer pick. I know it sounds like I am, but I truly believe it. I think the Seahawks riding high. I think the Cowboys, that miraculous miracle victory that they had Sunday. I think that was the turning point in their season. It would look like it was really dire. (laughs) And they were staring 0-2 in the face all afternoon long. But the fact that they kept fighting and hung together, there's something about that. And I think that we see the team that kind of launches them into what many expected that they could be at the start of this season. That was a high-powered offense. And I think we see it on display Sunday afternoon. Give me the Cowboys to win. Don't hate me, anyone who's listening. 37-34.
0: Ooh, tight Cowboys. game. Tight game. So you think 71 points. And I think 71 points. You just have a different distribution. I,
1: gotta, I think it's a close one. I think it's, Neither team is good enough defensively to pull away from the other, barring a mm. turnover or something of that sort. So I think we see it close, kind of one of those who gets the ball last wins type of things, as long as you have mm. enough time. And in a coin flip game, you know, conventional wisdom says to pick Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. But I'm down a game in the in in the picks in the picks you're making, competition. You're, so you're I'm making a run to, for it. So I'm gonna need to try to get this thing tied up two one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's, so, he's he's just going all
1: in right now. So I'm going just all in moving, right now. Man. Just move
0: the chips to the center of the table. You know what? everything.
1: I, I'm the coach that goes for it on fourth and two from midfield in the first half. That, no, that, a, that's who he's. I, a,
0: he's like Tommy Tuberville. When he was that old Miss <laughs> Old Riverboat Gambler. I remember Tim brandon Tim said, Brand a, a Riverboat Gambler, Tommy Tuberville, he's gonna go for
1: it." We're there you pushing go. all the chips to the center, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't even seen the river. But we're well, we're going in and I think the card is gonna hit. I, I hope you're wrong. I, I think the Cowboys <laughs> win it thirty seven thirty-four. And I think afterwards right. we're talking about bring snack in ASAP and maybe even right. call Clay Clay Because I think that's oh the, wow. I think that's the discussion that we're gonna hear after this game. It's mm. gonna be about a lack of a pass rush and the inability to affect Dak Prescott when he's playing with those two tackles that are backups and I don't think it'll be panic mode but I think kind of the antennas will be up of like hey this team does have some issues and we got to fix them because you know what it took a goal line stand to beat the New England Patriots and the New England Patriots are a very good team and they are really well coached but in terms of a talent aspect they're not as talented as the as the Dallas roster and uh, I, I, I think that it, it, it'll start to feel like hey this is this season's gonna be a battle it's not gonna be a runaway and game on mm. all right let's see what happens let's see what happens I think it's gonna be fun either way it should be fun yes. uh unless uh, for some reason mother nature decides to keep looks like it's gonna be nice and, and i think it's gonna it's gonna be think it's gonna get, gonna, it gonna get, nice get out of here so if that's what Shannon said, okay. I think
0: Sunday is actually going to be okay.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, then the points will come and uh, it'll
0: be, it'll live up to the billing, I believe. Yep. it'll be a fun game, but all right, let's go three and see what happens here.
1: <laughs> let's see what happens. All right. I'll talk to you soon, Mike.
0: All right. See you, buddy.